You are listening to sermon audio from Coggin Avenue Baptist Church. If you'd like to know more about us, check us out online at www.cogginchurch.org. Uh, well, good morning, friends. It's good to see everybody here. Uh, if you have a Bible, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2. That's where we will be at today is Hebrews uh, chapter 2. And uh, hey, thanks for letting me uh, be your interim uh, kind of preaching pastor for a season. It's a really incredible honor for me and and my family. This is definitely a two-way street. I hope that uh, preaching God's Word will minister to you, but you guys were such a ministry to me and uh, my wife and our son William um, two weeks ago, and so we're, this is a joy to get to journey with you until uh, you guys call your, your uh, next pastor. Um, this last week, I was in uh, Arkansas, northern Arkansas. didn't realize how beautiful that place is. Never would have thought it, uh, but man, it's beautiful out there. But I went to a camp. The youth guy he calls me like a couple months ago, probably like three months ago, and he's like, "Hey, man, you want to come preach at camp?" Man, I'd love to come preach your camp. That sounds like a great time. He's like, "Just set, just FYI, it's a camp camp." Cool. Whatever. I don't know what that means, but I'm I'm down. I'll come preach. He goes like like staying in tents and cots, no bathrooms, kind of camp. Okay. All right. Yeah, I can do that. I, I think I can figure that out. And I'm really more of a glamper than a camper. But we made it through the week. It was awesome. Got to see kids saved, turn from their sin, life on mission with God. So it was really, really awesome. So we're, we're glad to be here now and kind of in the saddle to, uh, to get to preach and get into some series and things like that uh, with you guys. So uh, Hebrews chapter 2, that's where we are going to be at uh, today. So kind of going back a little bit, 2020, you know, obviously it was a pretty wild year, COVID, all those kind of things. It was even more kind of wild for us because we had our son February 18th in 2020. And so like three weeks after that, COVID hit. So it was kind of a sweet moment for a little bit uh, because we got to be at home and everything was shut down and we got to enjoy our new son and, and it was really great. But as you kind of got later on into the year, uh, you know, there's so much stuff come up because it was a lot of political tension, racial tension, so much stuff. And you had a lot of uh, even within church, uh, churches, you had finances in, in a lot of places that were struggling because people weren't coming to church. And for especially the institution I work for, uh, that like really hurts us. So there was like thoughts of like, hey, maybe there is, you know, maybe we may be a, like a loss of salary kind of thing. And we had just moved to a one income family. And so it was kind of a lot of stress on me. And if I don't know if you're like me, but like I stuff things like I'll just things happen in life and I'll just keep stuffing them and stuffing them and because you got to move forward, you got to take care of your business, take care of your family, all those kind of things. Well, it, it kind of came to a head in like mid-fall. Uh, my little heart was like waving a red flag, like, hey, you got to come check on this thing because things aren't good um, in here. And I was growing a lot of bitterness for a number of different reasons. And, and so I, I just got in the Word. I thought, all right, I, I got to let the Word do its work you know, on my heart, because if not, this will uh, not only just does it affect me, it affects my family, it affects the work, it affects the ministry that I do. So as I began to like search the scriptures and try to find this kind of balm for my soul and my heart, um, you know, I ran across, you know, Jeremiah, and I, I really identified a lot with Jeremiah, because Jeremiah is like really insecure about the new season that God is kind of calling him into to be a minister, to be a prophet. And I felt that same way with having our son. I'm like, I hadn't figured out how to be a husband. Now I got to figure out how to be a dad too. Like, this is an uphill, this is an uphill climb for me. And uh, and so there was a lot of insecurities I had with that. Uh, and then I ran across like Habakkuk. Habakkuk's big deal is he's asking the question, why? As he sees God doing something in the land, he's like, God, why are you 
doing this. And I felt the same way with a lot of the ways that COVID was shaping uh, our, our nation, but also even what it was bringing up and how it was even affecting me personally. And, uh, and so I was asking that question, God, why are you allowing this to happen? Why are you allowing this to happen to me? And then, then, I, then there was Jonah, which I'm more like Jonah than any other prophet, because Jonah sees the work that God is doing, and he's looking at it, and he's gotten to the point where he's not even asking questions. He's just mad, and he's kind of bitter, and he's just kind of angry about it, and he just folds his arms and just watches it all and kind of go by. And I'm, I'm sure you can probably at some stage in your life, you can probably identify with one of those prophets of insecurity, of questioning why, and maybe just being bitter and angry about life circumstances or maybe things that have happened to you, whether that's a loss or something of that, that nature. You know, I think we all, we all do that, and it's important that, that we recognize that because here's the thing is if we allow the circumstances and the pain and the suffering or these things that happen to us in life, if we just allow them to happen, never allowing Jesus to minister to the hurt in our heart, uh, then that's going to cause a lot of trouble, not just for you personally, but for the people around you and even your local body. And so as I continued to like look through the Scriptures to try to find this balm for my soul, as I identified with prophet after prophet, what I found in Hebrews was um, someone who not only I could identify with, but someone that definitely identified with me, and that was Jesus. Jesus identifies with us even in our weaknesses. He doesn't tell us to get over it, but He ministers to us in the pain of life. So look with me in chapter 2 of Hebrews Uh, Some brief context is that here we have a writer that's writing this book is literally having a come to Jesus meeting with uh, with these folks. What is happening through with these Hebrews is they are drifting away from the promises of God. And so he is writing, reminding them that that Jesus is real, that he did come to save us from our sins and he is our minister and he is where we put our hope. He kind of goes through this and he, he kind of tells them, remember that Christ came and that He suffered for you. And He's not a distant Savior, but He's a brother and He's with you throughout life. And it's this, the, what I love about Hebrews is it paints this picture of Jesus that He is this supreme Lord. So he is, it talks about the supremacy of Christ, but then it also talks about the personal nature of Jesus. Uh, to us and how he identifies with us and will minister to us in our time of need. So here's what I'm giving you today. I'm going to give you three truths to lean on, uh, and then we'll give a, a point of application here at the end. The first truth is this, is that Jesus was made like you to destroy the work of darkness and liberate you from its grip. Jesus was made like you to destroy the work of darkness and liberate you from its grip. Look at verse 14 in chapter 2 there. It says, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all of those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it's not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. The first thing the writer points out here, he says, the children share in flesh and blood. That's talking about us, humanity. We have flesh and blood. And then he, Jesus, likewise, partook of the same things. And so he's alluding to, he's talking about the human nature of Jesus. So we have Jesus who is 100% God, 
But what the writer of Hebrews is telling us is that he was also 100% man. It's the incarnation of Christ, that God coming to earth and taking on uh, the flesh of man. So when I say that, we're not meaning that Jesus was less God by putting on human flesh. It doesn't mean that he ceased to be God. It means that while remaining God, Jesus took on a kind of a new nature. He took on a, a human nature, that he was fully God and fully man. Now, this is a massive deal because this, you know, Jesus defied these Jewish messianic kind of assumptions is that they thought they were going to get this like mighty politician or this mighty warrior. But yet Jesus comes as this ordinary looking man, as Isaiah, I think, 53, 2 says that he, there was nothing about him that was impressive physically. There was nothing about Jesus that was impressive. He was a very normal looking Jewish Man, and he didn't come to overrule the Romans or to, to reestablish Israel by a physical power or by military might or political power, but he came to do it uh, with humble service. And why did he do this? Look at what it says at the end of verse 14. It says that through death, through his death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil. If you go to Ephesians 1 or Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, it says that we were all dead in our sin because of trespasses, dead because of trespasses and sins. It says we were following the course of the world, being led by the prince of the power of the air, which is like a really fancy term for devil. And so the idea is that you and I all have a sin nature that causes us to be spiritually dead. And what Jesus and we're in, in that spiritual deadness, we're following the course of the world. We're basically following everybody else, being led by the devil. So it's like Paul is basically calling them Ephesians 2. He's like calling them devil followers. He's like, that's what you are. You were devil followers. And what Jesus came to do is he came to just destroy that leadership. That he came to take out the devil. Why? How? Through his death. So Jesus comes as a normal person. You and I can't keep the law. We can't keep righteousness. But Jesus can. And he was, he was put on a cross and he died on the cross. And by his death and his resurrection, he destroys the work of the devil. And what happens then? He tells us, verse 15, and deliver all of those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. So we are all subject to being in the slave, the, 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 the being slaves of sin. And we are subject to that. But Jesus, by destroying the devil, and when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we are now liberated from the bondage of sin. That offer is for everybody. And so Jesus coming to earth to take on human nature, what he's doing is he's doing that so he could destroy the devil and liberate us from his grip, liberate us from being slaves to sin. And who is this for? He says it at the end of or in verse 16. It says, for surely it's not the angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Kind of the point that he's getting across is Jesus didn't come to help special people. He's come to help regular people like you and me. So here, Jesus comes in human flesh to defeat the enemy, to deliberate us from his bondage, and he's coming to do it for regular folks like you and me. The first truth is that Jesus was made like you to destroy the work of darkness and liberate you from its grip. Here's the second one, is that Jesus identifies with you. Jesus identifies with you. Look at verse 17. It says, Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God. Fast forward to verse 18. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, 
he is able to help those who are being tempted. So again, the author is pushing this point of Jesus being made like you and me. For some reason, we have it in our mind that Jesus was Superman and not human. Yes, Jesus was 100% God, but yet he took on the full weakness of humanity. He's, the author is pushing this on us that, hey, remember, he was made like us in every single respect. Why so? So that he would become a merciful and faithful high priest. A merciful and faithful high priest. So I think one of the reasons why he was made like us is so he could identify with the weakness of humanity. It's the idea that he gets you. Like sometimes if we think of Jesus as Superman, then what we see is like that guy doesn't identify with me because I'm just a human, because he doesn't understand my weaknesses. He doesn't understand my need. He doesn't understand where I'm at in life. And the reality is he does. The author is pushing this. He was made like you. He was made like you in every respect. Why? So that he could be a minister to you, that he gets you. He's got empathy for you because He's been in your shoes. That's the idea that the author is getting across to us here. It says he's a merciful high priest. It means that Jesus always meets you with compassion and not judgment. Think about that for a second. You know, sometimes even us guys, you know, sometimes like we're probably not as honest, uh, probably not super honest with ourselves because we're afraid of one, we judge ourselves, but also being judged by other men about our weaknesses or our shortcomings or even our emotions. Well, here's the thing is that Jesus understands all of that, that we can fully open up to him and share with him the condition of our heart, the condition of our soul and our mind. And he gets it. Why? Because he was beset as a, as, with the same weaknesses, yet without sin that he conquered. Like he is the ultimate person that we can go to for help. He is a merciful high priest. He always meets us with compassion and not judgment. Jesus never, when you go to Jesus and, you're, and, and you pray to Him and you ask Him for help, He never meets you with, you need to get over it. How many of us have met that in our lives before? Jesus never tells you to get over it. He always meets you with compassion. Look what happens next. And it says that He is a faithful high priest that when you go to Him, He's always there. He is never too busy to meet with you. Every time you ring His bell, He answers. Every time you call Him, He answers. He's not like a millennial or Gen Z where we don't answer our phones. I mean, you can call Him. You can text Him. You can do whatever. He's going to answer. Jesus answers every time He is faithful. You know, there's these two girls in our our ministry, um, in our ministry back home, and... uh, they're, as my mom would say, they're tighter than butt cheeks. They're just super close. Because here's the deal. They both lost their moms at a very young age. And so they, they and, here's, and here's what happens, is nobody gets them like each other. Because nobody in our group understands the pain and the sorrow of growing up without a mom like those, these two ladies do. And so they're tight, and they have mercy for each other, and there's faithfulness there. And that's the same idea but with Jesus is that Jesus is a merciful and faithful. He gets us. He understands us. He gets the weakness. He gets the insecurity. He understands all that, and He's ready to meet us with mercy and compassion and faithfulness every single time. Look at verse 18. For since He Himself has suffered when He was tempted, He is able to help those who are tempted. 
So he was tempted with the same stuff, the same insecurity, the same bewilderment, the same bitterness. He has been tempted. He has been tried. He has been sad. He has been sorrowful. Jesus, like, he gets it all. He completely understands at all. He understands humanity because he has himself been a human. He has taken on the full nature of humanity. You know, sometimes we, we think that, man, nobody gets me. Nobody understands me. Nobody gets where I'm at. And I don't have anybody that can identify with me. But there's always one person who does, and it's Jesus. It, no matter what we go through, he understands our weaknesses and will meet us in our time. Of need, So that's the second truth, is that Jesus identifies with you. He gets it. Here's the third one, is that Jesus suffered for you. Jesus suffered for you. Let's look at the entirety of verse 17. Therefore, He had to be made like His brothers in every respect, so that He might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. So remember, the writer of this book is writing to a people who are drifting away from the promises of God. They're drifting away from what God has said. And he's reminding them that, listen, Jesus is not just here to be a good teacher. He's not just here to be a good counselor. He's not just here to be a good advocate. He's not here just to be a good role model. Jesus came to be your Savior. That's what He's getting across. And ultimately, the reason why He came to be like us, to identify with us, is it so He could be the sacrifice for us? The writer tells us that He was to make propitiations for the sins of the people. A great one word, that's a kind of a big theological term, but a great one word definition for that is uh, satisfied. So He has come to satisfy, to make satisfaction for the sins of the people. The idea is that we have sins against God, and we have a sin debt that has been racked up that we can't pay and satisfy the debt. And so Jesus came, 100% God, 100% man, fulfilled the law, fulfilled the prophets, prophets fulfilled all righteousness, and went to the cross and was the perfect, satis- the perfect sacrifice that satisfied all of God's righteous attributes. And so here's what that means. Let's get real practical here. Is that now God is satisfied because of the work of Jesus, and when we place our faith and trust in Jesus, God is now fully satisfied with us. How many of us live day to day believing that God is not satisfied with us? That is a lie that we will continue to believe over and over and over. There's many days I believe that, that I'll wake up, pull my head off the pillow, and feel like there are things I need to do in order for God to like me. And what propitiation means is there's nothing I need to do to make God like me because Jesus has already done it for me. It's done. It's finished. He's satisfied with Jesus, He's satisfied with me, and He's satisfied with you. So here's the thing, friends, is that Jesus knew that you would experience sorrow, so He came to this earth and He experienced sorrow. Jesus knew that you would experience hurt, so He came to this earth and He experienced hurt. Jesus knew that you would come here and you would experience loss, and so He came here and He experienced loss. Jesus knew that you would experience grief, and so He came and He experienced Grief. He knew you would be tempted to sin, so He came and He was tempted just like you, yet without sin. He knew you would be hurt, so He came and He experienced hurt. Church, you and I, we deal with this on a daily basis. And if we're not careful, we will be just like the Hebrews and we will allow the circumstances of life to cause us to drift away from the promises of God, thinking there is a better way 
to do this other than the Lord's way. But Christ came and He experienced all of our hurt, all of our pain, all of our sorrow, just all of it. So that on the day that we decide to give in, to sin, to drift from the promises of God, that we have a reminder that we have a merciful high priest. We have someone who is going to meet us with compassion in our most, in our most hurtful moment. That we have a faithful high priest that when we need him the most, that he will enter the door, he will pick up the phone, he will write you back. And he understands where we're at, but he doesn't let us stay there. He doesn't let us stay there. That we are to go to Christ with all of those needs and give those to him and let him shoulder those. And we need to quit shouldering those and set those down why that he can pick them up. That his love moved him to identify with you so that he could feel as you feel, suffer as you suffer, and ultimately heal the wounds of your soul by taking God's wrath on the cross. For fully satisfying God in all His righteous attributes. So what does this mean for for you and me that Jesus has come as a human to destroy the work of the devil, to liberate us from its grip so that we could be a free people that live with a, a Lord, a Savior who is both merciful and faithful. And here's my point of application to you is this, is that Jesus uh, picks up what you put down. Uh, that Jesus picks up what you put down. And here's... Here's what I mean is that, you know, Jesus identifies with you with where you're at. He identifies with your guilt. He identifies with the condemnation you feel. He identifies with the shame you feel. He identifies with the regret. He, he can identify with all those feelings. The thing is, some of us have put those things on our shoulders and we've been carrying them around when Jesus is saying, put them down. Put them down because I carry those for you. You don't carry those. We can only get to that place of freedom when we lay our junk down so that He can pick it up. So I want to ask you today is what baggage have you picked up that you need to put down? And I want you to name it. What baggage have you picked up in this life that you just need to set down? For so many years of mine, I had tons of bitterness and unforgiveness against my father, and I carried that baggage around forever and ever until I was probably 27 years old. And it wasn't until a hard year of just looking in the face of Jesus trying to figure out how do I put this junk down that I finally did that I realized that I don't hold debts over Him because God didn't hold a debt over me and so I'm free to release that. Jesus met me with compassion and faithfulness. What, is the, what are you carrying around? And I want you to name it. Is it worry? Is it anxiety? Is it insecurity? Inadequacy? Guilt, condemnation, shame, anger, bitterness, unforgiveness. Because you need to know that you can put it down because you have a Savior that wants to meet you in compassion and with faithfulness. Jesus picks up uh, what you put down. You know, I've become, uh, 17 months in, I've become quite the diaper-changing master. I've never done calf roping before, but I think it's pretty similar. If I can figure out how to ride a horse, I think I got the second part down. Because you got arms, you got legs, you got everywhere. It's it's wild. And uh, it's evolved a little bit. You know, he's 17 months, so we went from like tar to craft yellow mustard to granola to like full on human. If you have a kid, you know what I'm talking about here. It gets wild in there. But I've gotten pretty good at it. And what if one day I walk into William's room 
Because uh, usually kind of our routine is most, most mornings I'll go in there and get him up and change him and stuff. And he's always got one, one, one in the oven for me. And I just go in there and I just say, you know, I'm getting ready to change his diaper. And he just says, hold on a second, Dad. You know, I think I'm just going to sit in this. First off, I'd be like, you're speaking in full sentences. That's a miracle. That's awesome. But then he just keeps going and he says, you know what, I'm just... I'm too embarrassed for you to look at this. I'm too embarrassed for you to change. I, I'm just going to sit in this, and I'm just going to stay in this, and, and, and it'll be fine. I'll, I'll deal with it myself. Like, don't, don't you worry about it. Y'all, that ain't going to fly. Because one, that's not good for him to sit in his stuff in a dirty diaper. But two, that definitely ain't going to fly with mom and dad because we're not going to be hanging out with the baby all day with a dirty diaper. That just is not going to work. Well, here's the thing, friends, is that I feel like sometimes in life that we pick up junk throughout life and we hold on to it. We think we're going to deal with this at some point. But not only is it affecting our own and eroding our own soul and our own heart, but it begins to even affect our family members. It even begins to affect our church body. It begins to affect our workplaces. It begins to affect our community. Why? Because we continually want to hold on to the junk we pick up in life and we don't want to do anything with it. We just let it wear away at the fabric of our soul. And friends, I promise you, Jesus can handle your junk. Jesus will meet you with compassion and faithfulness every time when you surrender that over to Him. Jesus picks up what you put down, and what is it that you need to put down? What's keeping you from laying your junk down? Thank you for listening to this episode of our Coggin Church podcast. We exist to make disciples by leading people to connect with God, with others, through service to the world. For more information about Coggin, visit us at www.cogginchurch.org.